This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is Don't At Me. This is Dan Dockage coming to you live from my basement. What the hell? Hey, it is NCAA tournament time, and we have to start the entire week off Co-champs of the Big Ten, the great Brad Underwood, the head coach of the Fighting Illini. Coach, before I get in the tournament, congratulations, man. I mean, I saw you guys co-champs, hell of a year, keeps going, but co-champs of the Big Ten sounds pretty damn good. You're not kidding. Dan, I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, you know what this league's about. You know the grind, and uh, to get through it and, and to have you know, multiple guys out with concussions, being Kofi and Andre Curbelo and, and, and all the sickness and COVID. And yeah, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm ecstatic. I, I feel, um, you know, it, it, it's such a, it's such a hard leg with great environments, great cultures. Um, you know, you get, everybody gets a run in this leg where, you know, you're, at Bloomington and at West Lafayette and at East Lansing. And, and those are your road games back to back to back. And, you know, you just, you're, you're like, when does it ever let up? And guess what? Dan, it never lets up. Hell, it's brutal. <laughs> you know, I try to tell people, I, I don't know about other leagues and I don't know about fans. I, I, I don't know. But I do know this. They give rings out for Big Ten champs. And in this part of the world, as you know better than anyone, man, uh, being a Big Ten champ is a massive deal. It's forever, and that's what I think is cool. That's what I love well, it's about like, it. It's, it's like love. I told our team. The one thing about winning a Big Ten championship, they're going to hang a banner. And 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 those right. teams are remembered 20 years ago from now. They're, they're going to bring this team back and celebrate this team at the University of Illinois in a big way. And, you know, we, we felt like we won it last year, and obviously we had the – the crazy mathematical, uh, you know, but, but you know, we've won more league games in the last three years by five games. And for us to have a banner up now, that team will always be celebrated. And to me, that's, 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 those are lifetime memories. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, you get to our age, man. You, I go back to Assembly Hall and there's my picture on a champion and it's the Absolutely. best thing ever. Absolutely. It is for your kid. No. Yeah. Hey, uh, how is your team now? Like, look, I've said this, and I'll be up front with you. I, I said, look, you have an emotional thing like you had, and now you're coming in the Big Ten tournament. I've seen it for years. That's a tough spot your team was in, and Indiana played pretty Indiana well. Indiana played great. And, um, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's, it, it, was, it was a strange day. We, we've had Dan, we had pink eye go around. I had it in both eyes. Trent Frazier had it. <laughs> Uh, Coleman Hawkins has had it. We had two other guys and three managers. It was bizarre. And, and yet we, we didn't play bad. We just missed 10 layups, 10 free throws, three dunks. And, and we, we, the, the basketball gods just weren't with us. And they were with Indiana. And, and Indiana played great. And Trace, um, you know, Trace played like the all-league player. Uh, that he is and 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 ex Xavier Johnson I love that kid he's got some he's got some 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 toughness and grit to him and they play great and uh 
but you know, we got beat, we go home, we rest and, uh, um, you know, find out where we go and try to get ready for uh, a very good Tennessee Chattanooga team. I think they are a very good team, uh, Coach. When that name came up, what did you think first and foremost? We had a pretty good idea. We knew we were going to be right there in the, you know, we thought there was a chance we'd be on the three. Uh, Purdue losing yesterday probably um, bumped them back a line, so it kicked us off, I think. Uh, but uh, we had a pretty good idea. So we, we, we knew it was going to be, a, uh, you know, a very, very good team. We thought it would be Chattanooga. We thought it could possibly be a Vermont, an Akron. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're, and you know, you're getting a good team, man. You're getting a really good team. And I was a, I was a 14 seed at SFA and beat a three seed one year. So, you know, you, you get good teams and, and you better strap it on or, or the season's over and, uh, you know, I'll work on my golf swing. Yeah. You know, Hey coach, um, when you are in your position, I got to ask you because years ago, when I coached, we, we didn't have all these analytic guys that could kind of predict who you were going to play. Is that a part of it? Like you got a guys that are studying this, right? And, and, and they're, they're putting you in scenarios that you just mentioned? Yeah, Is that I, how it we works? Had, I had six folders ready. As soon as they were called, they were handed out to every assistant coach. And we, we, we had it down to, you know, this was, the, this was where it was going to be. If we were three, here's who we, we thought the fours could be or the 14s and blah, 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 vice versa. So, yeah, it was, it was, we were pretty dialed in and, uh, you know, got two games in last night and, and, uh, you know, we'll dive in again to them today. De Silva's their big guy. You got a big guy, big guy, obviously Kofi Coburn, as good as there is in the country, or D'Souza uh, is the yep. big dude from Kansas. People know him, not necessarily the best, but, but I was talking to Lamont Paris and he loves the kid. What, what's your thought on the big guy matchup? What's your thought on uh, Silvio D'Souza? Well, he, he was at Kansas for a reason. You know, he, 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 he's a good player. Right. And he's got great strength. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, um, you know, his, his, you know, they throw the ball to. He's a, he's a very, very good passer. He's, he's got uh, uh, the ability to go chase it on the glass. They're an elite rebounding team. They go to the glass. They rebound the basketball hard. And he's a guy that takes up a lot of space. And, uh uh, you know, in, in, uh, in the two games I've watched, he's been a, he's been an active participant and, and very, very, uh, hard to block out, challenging to, to guard, uh, and he, and he sprays it around. He makes guys better. You know, coach, I want to go back to your team for, for just a second. Um, when the game's over this time of year, how hard, what are you doing in practice? What have you done in practice the last couple of days and what will you do? In the upcoming days, how much work versus rust? That well, kind a lot of thing. depended on when we played, whether we played on Thursday or Friday. So we we took when we took Saturday off. We got beat Friday, so we took Saturday off. Uh, yesterday we came back, and and yesterday was a, a, a real heavy weight room day. Uh, we actually did a good amount of conditioning yesterday, um, and then we did uh, uh, individuals individual workouts within in our groups, our big guard groups. Uh, and then we did just dummy offense. We dummied some things that we haven't uh, we haven't touched on in a little while. So they were kind of a refresher. Then we went to the selection show. And then this week, fortunately, we're on spring break. Uh, so we'll practice. I'm going to bring him in twice today. Uh, we'll practice this morning and go an hour and a half. We'll lift and go an hour and a half, all offense. And then we'll bring him back this afternoon and go defensively. 
And uh, today will be more about cleaning up some of the things that we're not doing very well. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, we, we, we don't play till Friday and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go from there, but uh, you know, we'll get a lot of shots up. We'll get our guys a ton of shots. What, what are you doing well and what are you not doing well right now? Well, we've been really inconsistent uh, at, at the offensive end, Dan. I mean, our defense has been pretty good. I mean, we, you know, we played well enough defensively against Indiana to win the game. And, uh, you know, it's, <clears throat> you know, they, they put us in a lot of ball screens and X was, you know, five of 15 and, and, and hard shots. I'm going to live with all those, but, uh, you know, offensively, we can't go five minutes without scoring. And, and what's crazy, it's a it's statistical anomaly for me, Dan, is we had our two worst offensive efficiency games have been the two games we turned it over the least. Indiana, and then we were horrible at Rutgers. And we turned the ball over. I mean, we had six turnovers the other night against Indiana. And, and yet we've got to find that, that right balance of Kofi, our three-point shooters, and not getting stagnant. We have to flow better. And uh, Coleman Hawkins has provided a great lift for us. Jacob Grandison has been out with um, an AC sprain in his shoulder. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're still trying to figure out how to play a little bit differently with Coleman. Is, uh, is Grandison going to play? Is he a possibility to yes. play? Oh, good. That, that helps. That, that helps. Uh, is there a... <laughs> Is there a balance? Because I see it with you guys. You know, the Big Ten has so many big guys. You know, and guys now are so used to dribbling, ball screens, all that kind of stuff. And really, is there a balance you got to find having a big guy like Kofi where, hey, look, all else fails, throw the damn ball in. Or if everything is going good, throw the ball. Is there a balance in people movement, ball movement, and making sure that Kofi gets the ball? Absolutely. We're at our best when we don't run actions to Kofi. We're at our best when, when we're playing in flow and the ball's moving and we're getting it to the third side and then we get it to Kofi. And it's just organic in, 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 our, in our movement. And um, that's, that's when we're at our best. Uh, you know, are there times, yes, we got to get the ball to Kofi. Are there times we've got to get plumber shots? Yes, absolutely. Are there times we're going to play in ball screens with, with Trent and Curbelo? Absolutely. But uh, we're, we're at our best when, when everybody's touching it. Yeah, it, it's a it's a hard thing for kids now, isn't it? Back in your and my day, you played for Jack Hartman. Hey, get the ball to Ed Neely or whatever it is. You know, I, get the ball inside, and everybody's trying. Now it's like, hey, all right, I got to dribble, penetrate. You know, I, it's just a we. It's it's a different way of playing basketball. Dan, I, when I was in school, and, and you and I were in school, I mean, I was never the first or second option. So <laughs> so, I mean, my job our my job was we were going to run offense till the first or second option. We got we they had three opportunities to look at it. You know, it's and it's it's like you know, so you move the ball and you tried to get your best guys shots all the time and you tried to create opportunities that uh, created an, an an advantage and and uh, you know, obviously the shot clock's changed that. But uh, again, it's it's still a uh, it's still a ball movement game. And and when you can spray it and everybody's touching it and everybody's moving, uh, everybody's happy. Um, and you know, I still think some of the hardest stuff to guard is, is, uh, not a ball screen, but cutting and, and moving without the ball. 
Is it hard to get guys yes. to cut? You got to be instinctive and you've got to practice it. And in today's world, you know, we all ball screen and this is what they grew up with ball screens and, you know, go stand in space. And, and that's important and can be really effective, but cuttings, cuttings. Uh, I think we've got one of the elite cutters in, in basketball and, in, 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 uh, Jacob Grandison, he's just so instinctive with it. And, uh, but it's, um, uh, it's, it's something you got to practice and work on and you got to make it a part of your emphasis if you're going to do that. Yeah. And that's why I mentioned Grandison. Cause I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 obviously, you know, your team, I'm watching it from an outside, but when I see that kid, I call them like Seinfeld guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if Jerry wasn't there, George and Elaine might not even know each other. You know, there's <laughs> always a guy that, I don't know, kind of brings the whole thing together. I know you got Frazier and you got guys, but offensively, I feel like Grandison's kind of that guy. Well, you know, Kofi should buy him dinner every week. And, you know, he's a guy that uh, he's a great post feeder. He's a great, you know, he can really shoot it. But he is um, uh, one of the reasons when he transferred, he was at Holy Cross and he played for Carmody, Coach Carmody there. And we all know the, the Princeton system and all of that. That was one of my my uh, the things that were so appealing about him was that he understood the game. He understood how to cut. He understood how to reject a screen if there was a switch. And do just do the little things that um, uh, help you win and help and and help give you an advantage on an offensive play. And Jake does all of that. He's he's uh, you know it's a big loss for us not having him. Um, and and unfortunately got hurt in the Penn State game and we didn't have him for the Iowa game and. Found a way, but uh, it's a big loss for us. Yeah, I mean, I think he's terrific. I do. And I, when I saw you got him, I'm like, why are they taking this dude from Holy Cross? But once again, I'm sitting here in my basement, and you're winning championships. Hey, uh, you still losing weight? Can you lose weight during the tournament? Yeah, Everything I'm good, good? Man, I'm, I, other than the, Other than the pink eye that I had, um, I mean, with, <laughs> how about that? It goes through our team uh, and, and – what what is pink eye? What all I know is you got a bad looking eye. I mean, what is, is pink eye? I've never had it before. I had it in both, and it literally feels like there's a little bit of uh, gravel or 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 sand in your eye. It's just really irritating, and it, and like I woke up in the morning and my eyes were like matted shut. It was nasty. It was it was, but um, you know, Trent Frazier had it. Coleman Hawkins had it. We had a bunch of managers had it. It kind of traveled our campus, but. Uh, yeah, hell, it wasn't any fun, and and I'm through it. And but I'm still walking every day. I I got my morning coffee. I'm, 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 you know, we'll live we'll live on coffee here the next few weeks, and and call it good. Vodka, not beer, is what I've been reading. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm just you know I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it, it, you're it's, the best. It's whatever whatever works, Dan. Whatever works. Hey, wait, lad, before I let you go, Brady's back. I know you're a Chiefs. Brady is back. What well, do you think? I mean, think? he's, he's going to be the second best quarterback in the AFC. You know? And, I mean, it's just so convenient for him to come to, to bring it back on, on, on Selection Sunday, you know? But, uh, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, it's. What do you make? Hey, what do you make of that? What, is he trying to dominate everything? Is that yes. what he did? By coming yes. on Selection Sunday, and I'm a I'm a huge I'm a huge Tom Brady fan, by the way, and and it's uh, uh, the docu the docu series on him is really good. You, if you haven't watched it, you should watch it. But uh, I have. Um, but it, it's um, no, nah, it's it's remarkable. Do you think about what he's doing 
is remarkable to me. It just blows my mind. And, and uh, you know, to still want that competitive juice and to take the hits and do all that is, is uh, uh, you know, that's a different cat now. That's a different, there's no doubt about that. But he's still the second best quarterback. He's Maybe still the second best quarterback in the AFC. He's in the NFC. Okay, second Your best boy is in, in the, the AFC. Okay, I was going to say, let me guess, Patrick Mahomes. Just. <laughs> hey, he just got married. Good for him. But you got to keep his damn brother away from everything. Keep that guy. Put him in a room, his brother Mahomes. I mean, what are we doing? There, there's always one in the family, Dan. <laughs> Were you the one? I, I was absolutely the one. was the one. Was the one. <laughs> no doubt. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh uh, let's go. Let's go. You know I'm rooting for you. Can't thank you enough, coach. Congrats, man. Thanks, champions. Dan. Appreciate it. Champions. See you. You got it. That's Brad Underwood. Champions. Big Ten co-champions. That's a big freaking deal. I don't care what fans say. I don't give a rat's. Fans can say, well, you know, it's just a it, – no. No, 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 no. You're nuts. Champions, man. I love it. Uh, we got a monster for you. Now, let's talk about the South. I got about 10 minutes here. Uh, let's talk about his side of the bracket. And we're going to talk to Chad Withrow. We're going to get about 15 minutes with Chad to talk about uh, Tennessee because all Tennessee people are out of their freaking minds right now. But as you look at where Brad Underwood's team is, he has a tough game. Uh, we had Lamont Paris on this show, the head coach at Chattanooga. And remember what he was talking about, man? He's got. He's got that David Baptiste, uh, Gene ba- David Baptiste. Hey, that dude, David Gene Baptiste. I'm sorry, I screwed it up. That dude's a six-year senior. He's got the big kid. He's long. He's athletic. I marked this game as one of the absolute most difficult games, talking about Illinois and Chattanooga. But I did it, it didn't matter to me whether it was Illinois or whether it was Chattanooga. It, it did not matter. This was going to be and is going to be one of the nip and tuck upset special type of games. The first seed, you know what? It's Arizona, and it should be. Arizona is the most, how do I put this, aesthetically pleasing teams. I mean, look, I'm watching them play UCLA, and UCLA's playing well. They're going along, and you can just kind of tell in the Pac Championship, Pac 12 Championship, man, this is going to go Arizona's way, and it did. It did, and it did in a hurry. When I let's stay with Illinois side. So Arizona's the one seat. Seton Hall and TCU. Uh, I don't think either are playing well enough to challenge Arizona. Head gun to head. I'll take Seton Hall, even though I do like Jamie Dixon's TCU team. I don't like them that much. You know, Lauren O'Connor was our uh, producer here for a while. She's a Seton Hall grad, and I like her a lot. UAB with Andy Kennedy. Andy Kennedy was working with me. In Orlando two years ago, now he's got a team in the NCAA tournament taking on Houston. Let me tell you about Houston. Houston looked damn good the other day, and here's what they have. They have an immense pride. Now, you can talk about all – that's fine. You can talk about players, but here's what Houston have. They lost twice, not once, but twice to uh, Memphis. They played them again in the AAC Championship, the Atlanta Conference Championship. I'm watching that game yesterday, and about two minutes in, I'm like, this game is over. Houston's big, they're strong, they're athletic, and they're prideful. I think Andy Kennedy's UAB team is good. I watched them play the championship game. I was not all that impressed with them. I think it's going to be a tough road 
for Houston. I'll get into the fades and the gambling number. I think it's going to be a tough road for UAB. I'll get into the fades and the gambling numbers and all those things as we move through the week. But this is a game I would anticipate Houston being in really good shape with. Colorado Spring and, and or Colorado State and Michigan. Let me explain something to you. We're going to find out about the Mountain West. We're going to find out because Colorado State got a pretty damn good seed. A lot of people complaining about Michigan's seed. I really don't care. This is more about conferences. Look, talent level, very few teams have the talent level of Michigan. I'm sorry, they just don't. You got a big guy inside in Hunter Dickinson who's as good as there is. Devontae Jones has started playing. The Houston kid uh, was a top 50 recruit. He's okay. Then you've got Eli Brooks who's been there forever. Brandon Johns, who actually Beeline and their staff thought was going to be an NBA guy. There are very few teams that are going to be in the Mountain West Conference that are going to be as talented as Michigan. But you don't have to be as talented as Michigan. This game I'm looking at, I swear to God, is a referendum on conferences. Wyoming's playing Indiana, Boise State's in. You got three teams uh, from the Mountain West. So I'm sitting here going, okay, well, Mich- uh, Indiana, Michigan, late adds to the tournament. You got nine teams from the Big Ten. If the Big Ten wants to have a decent year, I understand it's all based on national championship or Final Fours. Fine. But this is a game that the league has to step up and play. I'm telling you, weird, right? But if Colorado State beats Michigan, I would look at myself as a Big Ten fan and go, hey, how good is our league really? You should be able to handle them. Just like Indiana should be able to hand the fourth-place team in that handle, the fourth-place team in that league. All right? Tennessee got screwed. Look, I don't care how you slice it. I honestly don't. And the dumbest narrative, the dumbest narrative, I'm going to talk to Chad Withrow about this coming up here in about eight minutes. The dumbest narrative I heard all day yesterday was from Joe Lenardi, and it's not Joe's fault. Absolutely not Joe's fault. Joe said what everybody knows. For some reason, and I will never understand the reason, the committee doesn't look at Sunday's games. That's asinine to me. I'm sorry, but it is just absolutely asinine. There is no metric at all where where you can say Tennessee should be behind uh, Kentucky, should be behind Duke. Uh, Hell, Chad or uh, Clay Travis laid it out right here for me. Tennessee net seven, Duke twelve. Ken Palm, Tennessee seven, Duke twelve. BPI, 5 for Tennessee, 11 for Duke. Sagarin, 7 for Tennessee, 11 for Duke. KPI, 4 for Tennessee, 14 for Duke. T-Rank, whatever the hell all this stuff is, 7 for Tennessee, 9 for Duke. It's insanity to me that this is – I mean, I can keep going on. You want strength of schedule? How about Duke 116, Tennessee out of conference 16? I mean, it is un-effing believable. It is. Now, the one area where Duke did well was um, away games. Nine and two. That's what got them where they're at. You can take all this other stuff. I don't care about quad one wins. I'm telling you, I know these people. I know Chris Reynolds. I know all of them. Road wins matter. And that is why you can say anything else you want. And I thought Reese Davis did a great job with Joey Brackett yesterday. You can say anything you want. But the truth of the matter is, 
Road wins are the only damn thing. And let's be on Duke had 11. I'm sorry, Duke had 9, 9 and 2. Look at that. Duke played 34 games and played 11 road games. Unbelievable. Neutral site, 4 and 1. So 13 and 3 away from home. Neutral site. It's disgusting. Hell, I could be in the Hall of Fame if I got to play Duke's schedule. All right, let's talk about a couple of other things before we head out in the South. I don't know, man. I got to tell you, you know I love me. Brad Underwood, I think he's great, but that is a tough draw. But before we get, before we get there, don't buy into Ohio State losing to Loyola. Now, the two best players on the court, one of them is going to be an Ohio State guy, E.J. Liddell. The other one's going to be the Williamson kid from Loyola. I know, I know, I know. There are always one, there's always one team that everybody jumps up and down, stands on their head and crap snowballs over. And that team right now is Ohio State getting beat. Don't buy into it. I'm not saying they can't. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is right now, Ohio State is a favorite. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. When Indiana wins by four, at minimum, against Wyoming, I'm taking that chunk of money and I'm moving it to Ohio State and I'm doubling down plus one and a half. Don't buy that. I know it's the sexy pick, but Ohio State's going to beat Loyola and, of course, Villanova is going to beat Delaware. I think it'd be fascinating as we move through this bracket. Illinois can make some serious noise. I think they can beat Houston. And it sets up basically you got to beat the one seed. Illinois, Arizona is a historic game going back to Deron Williams. Uh, I think Villanova will come out of the other side. Uh, I think Villanova is a really good basketball team. Had a chance to talk to Jay Wright a week ago, and he loves his team. Absolutely loves it. Now, now they went through what a lot of teams went through, COVID and all that stuff. But when that team is humming, Away we go. We got a lot to get to today. I got Tom Crean coming up. Obviously, just let go. I got Doug Gottlieb coming up at 10. Next, I got Chad Withrow. We're going to go about we're going to go about 15 minutes with Chad. We're going to let him vent how the Tennessee Vols got screwed. But I think we should celebrate the Tennessee Vols. I think the Tennessee Vols look great. And what do you want to do this time of year? You want to be playing great. This is don't at me. We're all day, all morning anyway, right here till 11 o'clock. We got Chad Withrow coming up from Outkick 360. We got Tom Crean coming up. We got Doug Gottlieb coming up. I'm going to give you some early fades. I'm going to give you one right now. Indiana minus three and a half last night. Now it's minus four. It's not going down, people. That thing gets to six. That's a hell of a lot different than minus three and a half. I'm betting DoorDash money on this. I'm betting more money than I got cents on that. I'm going to give it to you at every break so that we all win money. All right, I got to get over to the YouTube chat, see what's popping over there. We are, don't at me, Chad Withrow next, telling you why the Vols got screwed and what's going on in the SEC. Stay here. You see them, you know them, you love them every afternoon from 3 to 7 my time. uh, 3 to 6 my time, excuse me, 2 to 5 y'all's time. He is the great Chad Withrow. Chad, I know 
All right, I'm going to go a different route. I, okay, I, our, our, our leader, our fearless leader, Clay Travis, is, is up in arms. Everybody's up in arms about Tennessee, but let's take a step back. Tennessee might be playing better than anybody in the country right now. Uh, the seed was terrible, but Tennessee's play has been great. Not good, great, in my opinion. Well, and we talked about it a little bit last week on our show, Dan, when you joined us. Uh, you know, Jay Billis always has strong opinions, your buddy from ESPN. And I'm watching Bracketology last night, and he opens by arguing Tennessee should be a one seed. The, the argument shouldn't be between three and two. It should be two and one. For Tennessee, winning the SEC, uh, going 3-1 and one against Kentucky and Auburn, beating Arizona this year, there's not a better resume in America uh, than Tennessee. And, uh, you know, just looking at it, I know Clay tweeted this out, but the side-by-side of Tennessee's net ranking is 7th, Dukes is 12th, uh, Purdue 13, Wisconsin 24, all teams that were, you know, put ahead of Tennessee. And I'm not concerned with Purdue and Wisconsin because they're on the three-line with the Vols. But it's very odd, and I think the, the strangest part about all this, and I agree with you, by the way, Dan, they're playing as well as anyone. Rick Barnes Ooh. has that baggage in the NCAA tournament, but this feels like a team and a group that's different that could go on a deep run and maybe get to that first Final Four in program history for Tennessee. But I think the craziest thing about all this, listening to Joe Lenardi and some members of the committee argue their position where they're not really arguing anything other than that's just the way it is. Deal with it. I mean, Joe Lenardi's argument was, I'm sorry that Tennessee got hot in the end and won the SEC tournament, beat Kentucky, but they were behind Auburn and Kentucky for most of the year in the pecking order, which to me screams of the committee. I'm talking to them. They don't want to move anything over the weekend. Nothing that happened on Saturday matters. Nothing that happens on Sunday matters because they don't want to move teams around and they've pegged Tennessee in that three slot for a, a, the majority of the season, really from that first release of the seeding with the NCAA. They, they were a three seed there as well. Um, it's just very odd. And I think, look, difference between three and two, I think is a little bit more significant than people want to make it out to be. I, I heard Joe Lenardi last night argue, well, guys, what are we arguing here? The only difference is the color of the jersey in the Sweet 16. That's crap. That's that is absolute crap, crap right? Because what – Dan, how does crap. let me let me throw it back to you? How does Joe Lenardi make his money and ESPN get the attention with this and any bracketologist? And I love it, by the way. I love Joe Lenardi. I love his coverage. I love Jerry Palm. I love following these guys. But it matters because it matters. We follow because it matters. You can't spend an entire season arguing about teams moving up or down a seed line and how important that may be. And then when you get to the end and there's a fan base who's irate, argue, well, guys, what are we talking about here? It's the color of a jersey. In the Sweet 16, doesn't matter. The difference between three and two, you can't have it both ways. I think, well, you know, I, to your point, there's two things that are crap. Uh, one is, well, it's just the way it is. I, I will tell you now, I know for fact they have contingency plans. But those contingency plans, I think, are only if something dramatic. I don't really understand them. I'm going to find out today. But the other thing is this. It, it frustrates the living hell out of me when I hear people just openly admit, well, we don't take into account what happens Sunday. I mean, think about what happens on Sunday. Or think about what happens in championship games. The two best teams 
from that league, whatever that league is, or the two teams that are playing the best from that league are getting together to play on a neutral site. That game should matter so much more than going to Las Vegas in a preseason tournament or somebody going to Wisconsin and beating Wisconsin in December. That game should matter more than any of these games. We got it ass backwards, and I can't stand it, Chad. It drives me nuts to hear Amen, that crap. Man. You're, you're preaching the choir. Watch Virginia oh. Tech beat Duke on Saturday night, and you tell me that game doesn't mean anything. You tell me that doesn't mean something. Look at the Virginia Tech people in the crowd at Barclays Center. And you tell me that damn game doesn't mean something on Saturday night where they beat Duke and they're playing Inner Sandman by Metallica and everybody's going nuts and guys are crying and players are hugging each other. Watch Tennessee beat Texas A&M and win their first SEC tournament since 1979. Then watch John Fulkerson in his sixth year crying. Watch Rick Barnes hugging his players. Tell me it doesn't mean anything. It means so much more this time of year, even if it's a conference tournament and not the NCAA tournament. And I know that it doesn't have that finality to it, but guess who it did have finality for? Texas A&M, who was playing for their lives on Sunday. We didn't know it at the time. We thought they were probably going to get in, but that loss to Tennessee put them out of the NCAA tournament. So it absolutely matters more. I, I think the Big Ten championships, another great example. What an atmosphere that was between Purdue and Iowa. And I watch Iowa win that game, and I think they just did something. That felt like an Elite Eight packed house type win for Iowa over Purdue. And you can't tell me that doesn't mean more than than Duke beating Kentucky to open the season on a neutral court, for example. You know, games at the committee that I look at, and right. look, that should matter. That absolutely should matter. Duke beating Gonzaga on a neutral court early in the year should matter should not matter as much as what we see in the final month of the season. And that's where I go back to a team like Tennessee, who is playing as well as anyone in America the last month and a half of the season. When they figured things out offensively and started something you talk about, Dan, moving people and not just moving the ball, when they started doing that on offense, this is a different basketball team. And I think they got they got underseeded. I think it was two at worst, and you could argue Tennessee for number one seed. College basketball, I've said this forever. In fact, uh, I used to boycott voting for all these awards because we got it ass backwards. We give a crap about Maui or we give a crap about the Champions Classic or whatever the hell that is. Look, we should be, we should be waiting to vote for players of the year, coaches of the year, until we get done with the conference tournaments. Because folks can say they don't matter, but Indiana just got in because of two – actually, they played two and a half good games out of three. You know, uh, they just got – Texas A&M, I'll argue, got screwed beyond belief because exactly what we're talking about. We have it so backwards. We give our, our players of the year based on what happens in December. Do you know how long, and I know you do, do you know how long December is ago to basketball players right now and basketball coaches? The only one it matters to is the idiots in the media that hold on to something because they don't know the difference. It drives me crazy, Chad. And I'm not only talking about Tennessee. Shoot, you can make the argument that Iowa got underseeded if you want based on how they played. But again, all you hear is, well, it's the whole year. My my backside, I think it's crap. I think they matter. I think you're exactly right. Let me go this route. Why is this Tennessee team better? 
Well, they're better because uh, they, they figured out, I think, a couple things. Uh, you go back to that blowout loss in Lexington back in January. They were two and three in the SEC at that point, and everything looked like it was headed south. Um, I think Rick Barnes loosened up a bit on Kennedy Chandler. I think a couple things happened, too. Kennedy Chandler, Rick Barnes talks about high school plays. You know, Kennedy Chandler was trying to make too many high school plays in that game against Kentucky and early in the year because he could rely on his talent. He tightened it up a bit, but also I think Rick Barnes loosened up a bit in terms of how he allowed his guards to play and the motion they played with. And I think once that happened, Tennessee's offense got a lot better. And by the way, Dan, you talked about, you know, teams being so different from December to March. I go back to Tennessee throwing up brick after brick in an overtime loss to Texas Tech in one of the worst offensive games I've ever seen at Madison Square Garden early in the year. You watch that Tennessee team versus this Tennessee team, and it is very different. Now, they're still capable of going long stretches where they have a drought. They showed that at Arkansas pretty recently. They're really their only loss since mid-January was at Arkansas, and they scored 48 points in that game. But I think it's, it's the example you're talking about. You're, the good teams in college basketball are going to improve over the course of the season, and they're going to figure things out. Right. Tennessee was a jumbled mess with their rotation early. They didn't know what to do with Zakai Ziegler, for example. They didn't know, know what to do with their big man rotation. Now they've settled on this Euros Plavsic starting at center, John Fulkerson coming off the bench to give them a boost, Zakai Ziegler coming off the bench to give them a boost. Justin Powell's no longer in the rotation. They've figured out who they are and the roles they need to play. Josiah Jordan-James has been a revelation. Uh, he hits four threes to beat Mississippi State. He hits a bunch of threes over the weekend, and he wasn't on this team. He was hurt for a good stretch early in the year. So he's a glue guy that really helps Tennessee. I really think, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not becoming a rocket scientist when I say this. I think Tennessee just figured out their roles figured out their team as they went on. Yeah. They were always one of the more talented teams in the country. Uh, you know, top to bottom, they've got a good mix of veteran guys with young guys. They've got the best freshman backcourt in the country with Kennedy Chandler and Zakai Ziegler, best freshman backcourt in this tournament. But I think they just figured it out as they went on. Plavsic starting at center. John I, I, I got a, I got you and I got you in stereo right now, which I absolutely love because somehow I hit the wrong button. But – uh, so I hope if you're hearing you, you like what you're hearing. Uh, sound great, David. Look, all right, let's great. move along. What do you – I mean, I've never sounded better. It's, a, it's the energy of this show, I feel like. Uh, my energy level's really high for 30 a.m. Well, well, I can get blanked off, you know. I mean, I, I, I watch this crap, and I, and I hear all these smug guys on TV that don't know their backside from third base. Like, if you're going to tell me Sunday doesn't matter, then don't play Sunday. End the thing on Saturday or end the thing on Friday. I mean, championships matter, for crying out loud. I, all right, Texas A&M gets screwed? Texas A&M got screwed. Um, I, I, I was looking at it. My guy, Peter Burns, with the SEC Network, uh, tweeted it out earlier. I'm going to try to find it. Uh, but the head-to-head with Notre Dame and Texas A&M, uh, with Notre Dame getting in, and it's really not even that close when you look at, uh, at both teams, and I'm going to find it. But I think it's another example of, you know, yeah, they lost seven games in a row at one point this year, but also they won seven games in a row at the right time of year in March before they lost to Tennessee. So here it is, quad one and quad two wins. Texas A&M had nine, Notre Dame had four. Final Ken Palm ranking, which a lot of people will go by, Notre Dame was 52nd, A&M was 43rd. 
Texas A&M had as many quad one wins in the SEC tournament more than Notre Dame had all season, just in this last week of the season. So we're going back to, does it matter how you're playing at the end of the year? Does it matter how you play in the conference tournament? I think the committee has given you a big old fat no when they don't put A&M in the field. And I think that's, look, my biggest frustration with this, Dan, is I think every committee and every year, we talk about this in the college football playoff, it's a sliding scale of what matters. Because we always hear now, well, I'm sorry, guys, just deal with it. Conference tournament doesn't matter that much. What happens on Sunday doesn't matter that much in these big conference tournaments. But there have been other years we can go back and see where a team winning a conference tournament moves them up a seed line. And it helps out a lot of other teams also. So that sliding scale is what frustrates people. I also want to mention this. The promotional industrial complex in sports media, and I think ESPN does fall victim to this. You talked about those early season games. When you promote those first games of the year as huge implications on seeding, and that's what you're going to promote. And I get it because you're promoting it to get people to watch your games and to watch the network. And then you get to the end of the year, and you've got Joe Lenardi arguing, hey, the difference between two and three seed is the color of the jersey. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter what happens at the end of the year. That's where you get yourself, you tie yourself in a pretzel at that point. It's all about promotion. It's all about making things more important maybe than they are. And I understand all of that in media. I get it. I promote as well. But that's where you're not going to have a winning argument if you come back and start to say, the only difference is the color of the jersey, which drives me insane to hear that. I thought that was the dumbest thing I heard yesterday. It's just a guy that's never coached. It's just a guy that's never put a – it's a, just a guy, and I love Joe, and i got to preface it with that. He comes on my show. We've argued all the time on national TV and other places, but that's just a guy that don't know. I mean, when you, when, when you make it that small, uh, look, maybe one and two, you know, first seed, uh, second seed in a, in a region, okay, maybe, maybe. But when you go two versus three, that's just – there's a reason a team is a one seed. There's a reason a team is one of the best four teams in the country. And usually those are non-negotiable. So when you're the three seed, guess who you get to play? You get to play that team. And I don't want to play that. I, I'm, I, I don't want to play. I got that all screwed up. Well, tell, tell Rick Barnes get, it doesn't matter, get right? Get rid of Dan, what I just Dan, said. You know this. Tell Rick Barnes get, that get three rid, seed yeah. versus two seed doesn't if matter. I, let me – let me, exp- let me explain this. I would much rather have my first two games as a two seed than I would as a three seed before I played a three seed. I don't give a damn where it is. Uh, I don't care who we're looking at. I would rather have that, period. Hey, let me, uh, before I let you go, um, you, ca- you guys are all over the SEC. Surprise between Tom Crean, Conzo Martin, and now Ben Holland, and surprise that Mike White took a, took a little trip north. I mean, what is that? What are we doing in the SEC in Man, basketball? What a what a weekend in the SEC. Uh, none of it genuinely surprised me. I think maybe the biggest surprise, maybe Ben Hallen, uh, thought he might get one more chance, but you know, maybe, but maybe it's kind of a mutual deal also where where he wanted out as well. Conzo uh, Martin doesn't surprise me, although he does have a really good relationship with the AD there at Missouri. Um, the the Will Wade thing, look. LSU, I, I am not for the NCAA penalizing almost anyone, but I am for them penalizing LSU because you can't play high and mighty now, LSU. You know exactly what Will Wade was doing. You heard the tapes. You know what was going on, so you can't come back after the investigation is over and after you milked wins out of Will Wade 
for the last four years and say, oh, well, he's now guilty and we can't stand for this at LSU, so we're going to fire the guy with cause. Uh, I think that LSU should get some sort of penalty, and I think that should be the retirement of the NCAA Enforcement Committee after they penalize LSU. Um, the Georgia-Florida thing, this is the classic. Shaka Smart did the same thing at Texas. Get out a year before you're going to get fired. Instead of going into a hot yes. seat here in the end, yes. you restart your clock. Kevin O'Neill was great about this when he coached, right? You restart your clock somewhere else. Conzo Martin did it at Tennessee when he went to Cal. Um, there was That was the petition to bring Bruce Pearl back at the time. They just went to the Sweet 16. He said, all right, I'm going to get out while the getting's good. He left. Smart move. Uh, I think the same thing for Mike White, a smart move. Instead of going into what could be a lame duck do-or-die year at Florida, he took a lesser job. Uh, Georgia historically is a lesser job than Florida, so he's going to go to Georgia now. And Georgia can sell it as a victory because they just stole their rival's head coach. And Mike White, it's definitely a victory for him because he gets another three- or four-year clock starting at Georgia. So I, I think it's a, it's a while it's an odd move, it's an understandable move on all sides for Mike White to leave Florida for Georgia right now, instead of possibly getting fired a year from now at Florida. There's no, it's Larry Brown theory, man. Larry Brown, Larry Brown's smartest coach ever. He basically coached every team in the NBA. Every coach, every team he coached in college went on probation. And wherever he coached, he had a home base in Malibu. So he would get an apartment wherever he coached. His home base was Malibu. Season's over. He goes to Malibu. Smartest dude ever. I've tried to tell my son, I'm the poster child for the other way. I stayed at Indiana too long as an assistant. I stayed at Bowling Green too long as an assistant. Now I'm in my basement. <laughs> Talk. I, I swear, it's the smartest freaking deal ever. Did you, did you ever consider doing ever. that? I'm, I'm curious, Dan. Did you ever consider doing that? Taking, getting out before it got tough somewhere and had an opportunity to go somewhere else um, and do it. I went. I went and took the West Virginia job when I was the hot coach in the country. But when it was went back, when you're at when I went back to Bowling Green. And you're getting your brains beat out. You don't really have the opportunity. I did think about leaving, and this is something that some coaches are doing. I did think about leaving and going and being an assistant, going from a head coach to being an assistant before the posse got me. But I think coaches that are smart do that. I think you may see one in college basketball as a head coach do it here in a week or two, uh, or at least he's thinking about it. I don't know whether he'll end up doing it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, if you want to extend your career and you're Mike White, there's no doubt that the pot, they were coming for him, right? I mean, they, they were coming. So what does he do? Swear to God, it's brilliant, really. He gets out. He gets another million-dollar job, a couple million-dollar job, and he gets it for at least three years. And, you know, I, Tom Crean, I'll tell you this. I guarantee you when Mike White walks in there, there may not be enough players there may not whatever, but the program's going to be in good shape from a program standpoint. Kids working hard, kids going to class. So he's already at an advantage there, Chad. So no, it's brilliant. But but I only I only left when I was the hot coach and I turned down a couple other jobs to go to West Virginia. I was stupid at Indiana because the AD at Marshall said, look, I'm hiring you if you want the job. You're going to win for two years and then leave. I didn't take the job. Billy Donovan did. He won for two years, and he ended up in Florida. That's how stupid I am with my <laughs> well, career. Hey, but I digress. Here's where, here's I digress. Where Mike White is playing chess and not checkers, okay? Mike White is the son of Kevin White, longtime Duke AD. His brother, Danny White, is the AD at Tennessee. 
He's got a sister who's also in college athletics and administration. This guy knows the game. This guy knows the score. He's also very clean. You're right. He runs a program the right way. He's not going to cheat. And that's not working right now at Florida. So he's seeing it and saying, hey, I know the landscape. I know what's going on at my school. I'm related to all these people who have been in athletic administration. Now is the time for me to make the move. His agent puts the word out there, gets the interview with Georgia, nails it, and he leaves for Georgia. I think it's a brilliant move for Mike White. I do too. There's no downside, zero downside, except I guess you got to live in Georgia, but everybody (laughs) tells me that Athens is a hell of a It's a great college. We'll talk to Tom Crean about that. I know. I'm talking to Tom Crean at uh, 10.15 or 10.20. I got Gottlieb next. Chad, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Always fun, Dan. This is uh, one of the best sports days of the year where we get to talk about the brackets and the NCAA tournament. So I'm pumped for uh, OutKick 360 starting at 3 Eastern today uh, and excited to go. Thanks, Dan. Always fun. You're the best. I can't wait. I'm joining them. Uh, Let me go one route with you. Uh, The SEC, it is interesting, right? We're going to talk to Doug Gottlieb coming up and break down the bracket. But I got no problem with Mike White doing that. I got none. I got no problem whatsoever with coaches moving. I literally, you're looking at the poster child, the absolute poster child for staying too long. Uh, Let me go to something now real quick. My boys in Indiana. My boys in Indiana are in the, what are they in? The East. They got an unbelievable draw. For a team that is, well, frankly, not great all year, they got a great draw. It's better than Illinois' draw. Let me explain something to you. Yeah, they got to go on two days' notice, 20 minutes away from here or two hours away from here, and beat a Wyoming team that's fourth in the frickin' Mountain West. If you can't beat the fourth-place team in the Mountain West that has to travel two time zones in a gym that's going to be packed with people wearing red – I can't help you. You shouldn't be in the tournament anyway. Then after that, they get the opportunity to play St. Mary's. St. Mary's don't scare nobody. St. Mary's has had a a good year, great year. They got in a tournament from the WCC. Fantastic. I love Randy Bennett as a coach. Came on my show. I'm a huge fan. But then Indiana has, all right, a UCLA team. I don't know. They're all right. They're good. 25 and 6, we'll see again. That is a league thing. Indiana played well in the Big Ten at the end of the year, and now they get a chance against UCLA. Indiana got a great draw. Who would you rather play? Let's say Indiana beats Wyoming. I'll tell you exactly who I'd rather play. I would much rather play St. Mary's than I would Chattanooga. Mark my words on that. Mark my words. That's who Illinois drew, Chattanooga. I would much rather play St. Mary's than Loyola Chicago. That's who Ohio State has to play. I would much rather play, <clears throat> excuse me. I would much rather, I would much rather play St. Mary's than I got Chattanooga. Who's Michigan got? I just had it here. Michigan's the 11th seed. They get to play in Indiana. I'd much rather play St. Mary's in Colorado State. Indiana got a great draw. I'm telling you, for the last place team in the league, don't be surprised if Indiana doesn't make a move. In this tournament, Indiana's playing well. I want to hear about tired. Every guy that never coached will tell you this. I got a little time here. Every guy that never coached will go through the, well, you know, uh, what worries me is six games in seven days. No, uh uh-uh. No. 
No, 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 no. Here's the deal. This is the time of your life if you are a player. Like, think about what you get to do right here. Think about this. You get to, you get to go with your buddies to the NCAA tournament in Dayton, packed house. Then if you win, if Woodson's smart, he'll wait till Wednesday morning before he gets everybody in a plane. Big luxury plane. Big. You can do all your scouting. You can do everything on it. You can do all, anything you need to do. You get on the plane and you fly out to Portland. Great. Absolutely great. Then you get there. You got one day. You go shoot around. And you're with your buddies, man. You got nothing to lose. It is. Then you go play. You win. You stay. It's the greatest time. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, all these little slaps that can't wipe their backside with either hands in the media will say, well, what worries me is that Indiana has, well, you know, uh, they got five games in seven days. Do you know who cares about that? Do you know who cares? Media dipsticks. Ain't no player that's a real player care about that. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. Not one. Well, you know, uh, I, I think Indiana. Here, Justin, whatever this guy's name. I agree with Dockage except two things. Indiana played three really tough games in three days. And now play his fourth and sixth games. This is a guy that has never been in a locker room other than to ask a question. Most important, traveling all the way west to play a west team on short rest. On short west, this idiot says. This is some media guy. The truth of the matter is none of that matters if you're a real player and a real team. I know it's something that idiots say in the media. That's what idiots in the media do. They find the easiest thing and they go to it. If you're a real player, if you're a real team, that stuff don't matter. Indiana may get beat. Indiana may get beat because they're an under 500 team that plays really stupid at the end of games. And frankly, their in-game coaching at the end of the games is just so-so. I don't even know if it's that. But it ain't going to be because, well, they played three really tough games. I'm telling you, you'll read that then what you'll see is people will call me an idiot, but they're not going to – Indiana could lose this by being fresh. Indiana's lost a ton of games being fresh. Now, don't listen to stupid. Listen to Dockage. Listen to Dockage. Listen to Gottlieb. I don't buy none of that stuff. You're flying a luxury jet. Coach lets you sleep. You get up. There's some scouting tapes. Who gets – it's no different than being in your freaking office. Don't even try it. I would agree. Indiana played three really tough games in three days. Jesus. If you haven't been in a locker room, that's what you're going to get. Period. They could lose. And if they shoot one shot short, you know what the idiots are getting? The clowns. Well, not the clowns. Not the clowns. The very giggly, very uninformative CBS broadcast crew who literally said not one thing during the Indiana, during the Indiana or the Purdue game that was of any interest. As soon as Sasha Stefanovic missed one short, oh, the legs! And not one of the three guys at the announcing desk had any idea. Not one of the three guys 
doing those games told us anything about why. I could get into that, but that sounds like sour grapes for me. But my first shot that's short, well, legs. That's all. That might be the only thing Grand Hill said. <laughs> so much giggling. So much giggling on the CBS broadcast. You say something, then Raph, well, you know what I. Anyway, tell us one time, will you please, why something happened on a broadcast during this tournament? That's it. Um, <laughs> when I coached Krant. <laughs> it's unbelievable. All right, when we come back, the great Doug Gottlieb next. Waiting on the great Doug Gottlieb, talking about the NCAA tournament. It is amazing. I mean, when you really look at it, how do you go backwards? Why does the champions... I get it. It's promoted. Well, champions in November. It's the star of the foot basketball. Nobody gives a rat's ass. I mean, let me tell you something. You know what people did care about? And I saw it for myself. Downtown Indy, it was so nice to see that downtown Indy was absolutely packed and it was absolutely rolling. That was fun. That was really fun. And thanks to all the fans coming from all different Big, time, Big Ten schools, man. Seriously. That was fun. People from everywhere, it was nice to see downtown. Downtown, and you can talk about peaceful protests all you want, but that's a load of you-know-what. There were no peaceful protests in downtown, and there were straight-out riots. Anybody that tells you differently is full of crap. I watched for myself. I went there the next day and helped clean up. Uh, my kids and I went downtown. No, it's a bunch of garbage. That was absolute riots. Our city has not recovered. Uh, and at the end of the day... Uh, we try to fake you out with, with walls of, of paintings where buildings used to be. Our mayor is soft. He's ridiculous, but it was just absolutely great. Not good. It was great to see all the fans come downtown Indy. It really, really was. All right, here's the deal. Um, when you look at the brackets, particularly the West, let's go to the West because I haven't talked about them. I think Gonzaga is going to win a national championship. Uh, I'm 90% sure I'm going to make them my team. Georgia State's a nice team. Rob Lanier's done a good job, but it's not going to happen. Interesting second game. Boise State actually won uh, the big they, the Mountain West. Boise State's had a pretty good year, and for them to be a nine is interesting. Colorado State got the six. But against Memphis, now I got to tell you, Memphis can ball. Memphis can really ball. Memphis kicked Imani Bates off. It's been a long story, and they've been very good. But they've got a kid named DeAndre Williams who's 25 years old. He's been some places. He's seen some things. And when that dude gets playing, Boise will not be able to handle him. Now, it's a matter of whether or not that dude gets playing. I watched for myself when Memphis played at Houston. I did the game for Westwood One Radio. And I got to tell you, when you're out there, if you'd have told me that the number the number four or five team at the time was Memphis, I'd have said you're right. I would have. That's a hell of a ball club. New Mexico State, Chris Gans. Chris Gans, a hell of a basketball coach. Chris Gans was the head coach at Bowling Green, won 20 games, got in a situation at a bar. They had to let him go. He's resurfaced, and he has been terrific. Remember, this is the team that beat Abilene Christian. Now, Abilene Christian last year did what every coach dreams about. Abilene in Texas beat who? Texas. 
But this this team here, this New Mexico State team, if you're looking for an upset 12-5, this New Mexico State team is tough. They're well-schooled. They don't take bad shots. They get the ball down the court. UConn, tough, well-schooled. They take a couple bad shots, but they're going to fight you to the end. I think Danny Hurley and the boys win, but this New Mexico State team, I'm putting a circle on it. You want to talk about teams? You want to talk about teams playing well against their competition? I'll give you teams playing well against their competition. Vermont. Now you're like, Dan, I don't care about Vermont. You might have to care about Vermont. Can I walk you through Vermont? Can I walk you through Vermont as they go ahead and take on Arkansas? Arkansas should win the game. But may I just tell you, this is what the 13th seed Vermont did against, quote, like competition. Your league is, quote, like competition. You know how the media always tells you, well, teams know each other. Let me know when Doug comes on, will you please? Uh, Teams know each other. Okay. Here's what Vermont did. Their last four games, including their tournament, they won by 19, 39, 32. And then they beat UMBC in the championship game by 39 more. Now, look, I think Vermont has a hell of a basketball program. I think, and I'm going to give you this in the fades later and on in tomorrow, do not sleep on this Vermont team. This is the, remember T.J. Sorrentine when he's hitting big shots to beat Syracuse back in the day? That's what you got here. You got a team that can go ahead and beat some folk. Don't sleep on Vermont. Uh, I'll take the winner of Notre Dame Rutgers over Alabama. Alabama getting the sixth seed, good for them. That's all based on early work. The early work thing is asinine. I'm not going to criticize the committee. It's a tough job. But I got to tell you, mark my words, the 11th seed that comes out of the play-in game, Notre Dame and Rutgers, is going to beat Alabama, period. I have no idea, and I didn't take the time to watch Montana State. I didn't do it. But I will tell you, I have taken the time (coughs) to watch Texas A&M. Texas A&M, damn good. Texas A&M under Mark Adams has been really tough, really tough defensively, really good offensively moving the basketball. That's not close. Davison and Michigan State. You know Sparty's a one-point favorite in this game? I talked about this last night on Visson. Here's the deal. You ready? Sparty has to have has to, must have Gabe Brown or Max Christie make shots in this. Hogard was great the other night. But if you're relying on A.J. Hogard, you ain't winning a game. Here's the difference, and this is something to watch. The difference might be in this statistic, deflections. Can't believe I'm even saying it. Why are deflections? Mark my words on this. I'm going to talk about it all week. Davison can really pass the ball. I mean, Davison can really pass. All right? Well, you get long, you get athletic in the lane. You got to keep the tipped pass in this game for Michigan State, as weird as that sounds, is important. If Davison can get comfortable passing, Michigan State might have a problem. Remember Gabe Brown? Gabe Brown's been through everything. 
Remember last year, Izzo yelled at him and everybody, uh, Brandon Hayward, the laziest of all human beings. Oh, he's mad because Izzo yelled at Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown's fine. Make shots, though. Uh, Duke's going to kill Fullerton, even though I like Fullerton. But anyway, this sets up fairly interesting. You know, I would love to see a Gonzaga-Duke final, but I don't think Duke's going to make it. Duke has a very easy ride when you really look at it. I think Texas Tech is tough. I think Texas Tech is physical. I think Texas Tech can compete. But I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, "Uh uh-uh. This is going to be Duke and this is going to be Gonzaga. And I think this is the easiest way. Hey, Doug, you agree with me, the great Doug Gottlieb? I think the West with Gonzaga and Duke is the easiest setup for one and two. Well, I think it's interesting that Duke, you know, they lose at home to North Carolina and they lose – in the, in the ACC, um, they don't get any of the none of the, the the negativity towards it, right? I mean, should have been trending towards it, towards the three, but um, yes, I do think it that sets up fairly easily to them. On the other hand, this is a Duke team that lost to Virginia Tech, could have lost to Wake at home, did lose North Carolina at home, so we may hold them in higher regard than we probably should. I agree with that. I thought they got their brains beat out by Virginia. How good is Virginia Tech? I'm looking. I think pretty good. What's not to like about the problem them? Is this is like the problem with the eye test is what, like when we see a team. You see them then, you're like, man, they're awesome. Then you see them early in the year, you're like, yeah, they're not so awesome. Um, I think they're in that pool of like uh, tier three teams where anybody can kind of beat anybody, and a lot of it comes down to matchups. That's a lot of these games that you're, you know, Colorado State, Creighton. I mean, there's, I mean, a San Diego State Creighton, there's, a, there's an interesting one. But, you know, um, Creighton's without their point guard. San Diego State goes to these games where they can't make a shot. So I would generally favor San Diego State, but I, I Creighton looked really good despite not having Namhart in the uh, in Big East tournament. Uh, a lot of people woofing about Tennessee. A lot of people woofing. Uh, that these games on Saturday and Sunday don't count. I, I, I guess that's what they're saying. What do you think? I think they count. You're playing for a conference championship. Heck yeah, they count. I mean, I'm talking about with the committee. I'm talking about with the committee. I mean, I think there's a reasonableness to it. It's like, all right, look, you're both in. Let's just both slot them. Um, and I think you have them playing mostly on a Friday, which is good in terms of rest. But no, I mean, usually they haven't mattered that much for seed like like they should. We. We think they should because it's the end of the season. It's a true test. It's a neutral site, et cetera, but never has. So my guess is that's people like Clay who like Tennessee Tennessee basketball only because Tennessee football is not going great. And when you parachute oh, when you parachute into this thing, you're like, why don't they do it this way? I'm like, look, you're not wrong, but you're also not right. There's just a reality to it that they can't get – they can't watch every game – and have it adjust every different bracket for every different game. I do. I've always said this, and I'll continue to say this. Uh, college basketball has it backwards. We give a rats about the Champions Classic and all that. Nobody playing right now can even remember what happened in December. And that's always my gripe with it. What did you see when you saw the bracket? What stood out to you? Um, the volume of teams in the Big Ten. Um, I think that the scheduling – worked for uh, the WCC and a little bit to the Mountain West where the best teams play the best teams and you stay away from the bad teams. It helps your numbers. Um, I, I think I was surprised. I, mean, I thought Oklahoma should have got in during the season. I didn't think they would get in 
once it trended poorly for them. And then when I saw the final numbers, I was like, wow, Oklahoma really should have been in. Uh, but then I have to take somebody else out. And all of them were bad candidates, partially good candidates. It was really hard. I, there's nobody who's sitting here screaming and yelling that they should have been in. That isn't in. But I could have made a compelling case for SMU or for Oklahoma. Um, and then, you know, I think it's been really hard to seed some of these teams. You know, I, I when Kentucky's whole, I think Kentucky's better than several of the number one seeds. But they haven't been whole and haven't played great as of, you know, as of recently. Um, whereas Kansas finds a way to win a bunch of games. I don't think Kansas is good as some of those other number one seats. Baylor much the same. So, but I mean, generally they did fine. You know, like we used to seriously nitpick over every different seed. And I think most of them are pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't really get into that. I do. I, I, I get a little, you know, I just get bored with it. All right. Let, let me go this route with you. You mentioned a couple of teams. One of them is San Diego State. What, what the Mountain West came out of this pretty yeah. good. So Indiana, a lot of Indiana people watching this. How good is Wyoming? Wyoming's good. Um, they're interesting. They kind of invert their offense. They're bigs. With the, they have a big kid named EK who can really use just a monster down low rebounder energy guy and then everything else they kind of invert their offense they post their guards they shoot threes with their bigs they're funky and they're hard to play against the first time around if you watch them out west you look at the second time around teams either beat them or came closer to them i think the other teams in the mountain west don't think they're as good as the top three um and it played out as such but they're uh linder does a he's a really good offense offensive coach they really move the basketball and again they play in that kind of different fashion where that that you know they post up Martinez their guard more so than they post up most of their post players. People know St. Mary's beat Gonzaga, played them well, all that kind of stuff. What St. Mary's got? Play really slow and really efficiently. And they have a point guard, Tommy Cousy, who's sixth year. He's a walk-on until this year, but he's unbelievable at using and using and using and using ball screens like again and again and again and again they just use them to death um and then inside they have a big guy named matthias toss who's a big back to the basket scorer probably you know barely can dunk but is a just a wide load who can score in there and then they got a smattering of other guys that can shoot and rebound and just defend and if they get that game in the 50s and 60s they can beat you if that game is in the 80s they got no shot And your boys, you got boys, Notre Dame, Rutgers. I got Notre Dame or Rutgers. I, I think they're, whoever wins that is going to beat Alabama. What do you see, Alabama, uh, Notre Dame, Rutgers? Um, I, I, I do like Rutgers. I mean, I saw them get, get beat the Big Ten tournament, and I saw, you know, their ceiling kind of flash before your eyes, whereas Notre Dame feels like they've gotten better and better and better, granted playing against an inferior league. Um, I do think the age and the experience of Rutgers, they end up winning this thing. And I'm with you. And I was, I was talking to a different coach who was waiting on a playing game. And he was like, you know, it's really hard. They're two pretty good teams, two completely different scouts. So as much as we can prepare for both of them, because we have a little extra time, you're still preparing for two teams and then preparing for maybe two more teams. So, because it's a lot and, you know, they only have a day, but so do we really. Not the, the only benefit is fatigue. And most of those guys aren't fatigued by game two. You think fatigue factors in? Uh, I do. I, I think that the, what factors in is 
you get past the first weekend and there are teams and I don't know if you've been on any of them where they just spent too much time around each other. You're like, ah, we're good. We're good. Now, some teams you can't spend <laughs> enough time around each other, but I think that fatigue with each other is as bad as fatigue with and fatigue with the process and fatigue with the preparation and the pregame meals. You're just like, ah, done with it. And when you have a couple of those Debbie Downer dudes that, that we all have that are just kind of done, especially if they play major roles, I think your team can look like that. So I don't, I don't believe in the, in the pure, like, Oh, they were out of wind. Like, no, th- that kind of fatigue. You just take a break and tell me when you're ready. The kind of fatigue I'm thinking of is like the mental fatigue of being around the same 22 year old guy who he's your buddy, but you still want to kick his ass half the time. Yeah, and, and people people forget this is a long season, man. I mean, this is a long this is the longest season there is. I mean, you're talking about year round, but in the season, you're talking half and half. Last thing before I let you go, UCLA, how good? Good. Um, I don't see them getting beat early. I don't see them ending up in a final four late. I think they're really good. You know, I think they got big bodies, they know what to do. They've had a little bit of the disease of me. You know, they've had a little bit of this. You know, hey, it's good. We went went to the Final Four. We think we're a little bit better than we are. But Jaime Hawkes is a hard one to guard. You know, Julian Juzang, he he didn't play great in their last in their last loss, but he's a good player. They have a bunch of just good, solid, older dudes. Many of whom can score. They can beat you from three. They can score a little bit to block. Although big kid who transferred from Rutgers, Johnson, he's okay. He's not great. Um, he doesn't really help them offensively. They're good. You know, they're somewhere in that top 25. They've, they've never been as good as the top of their ratings or as getting to the final four near the win national championship. They've never been as bad as any of their bad losses. You're the man. Get some rest. You look tired. I did all those Big Ten games tired. and I flew back, and I had travel nightmares. Oh, you were in yeah. town. I figured you were in doing them from, like, no, L.A. or something. No, I should have come in and seen you, but I was so tired. So, I was very tired. <laughs> Big Ten was, was very good. good. Was, Big Ten was good. The tournament why was good. Why did they used to want yeah. a tournament? The, the coaches used to hate tournament. The tournament, right? What's Big, that? Big Ten used to not have a tournament, and I'm guessing that it was because the coaches didn't want it. Yeah, none of the coaches wanted it. Katie didn't want it. Knight didn't want it. Nobody wanted it. And then finally Delaney said, screw this. I don't care what you want. Y'all are going to be gone, and the tournament's going to be going, and we're going to be making some money. That's true. I mean, those guys complained. I mean, they all bitched and moaned. They didn't want it. But uh, Delaney was tough, man. Jim Delaney said, screw this. We're doing it. And it's, it's been awesome. great. It's a Packed great out. tournament. It's a really good tournament. I don't love Chicago next year. Indy and New York I could do just on the rotation. Yeah. Appreciate you, I man. Like, Thanks. Yeah. See, that's a great Doug Gottlieb. Tom Crean joins us right now. That's how good this show is. We go from greatness to greatness. Coach, how you doing, man? Do we have Coach on? I want to make sure. I don't know if I screwed this up. Yeah. I would. I uh, Yeah, let's go with Coach. Um. Coach Crean is on, so I'm waiting to get to him. Uh, but uh, that's what we do here. We give you what we need, man. Uh, let me know, Dylan, when Coach uh, can hear me or I can hear him, or maybe if we got to take a break, you let me know. But a lot of people want to hear the coach, see how he's doing, Coach Crean. Uh, 
He will, whatever he does, it will be great. We'll be right back with Coach Green. He's not quite connected yet. Oh, man, one of the good guys in college basketball, the great Tom Crean, nice enough to join us. Coach, how you doing, man? I know tough weekend for you and the family, but you're a tough dude. How's it going? How's uh, I things? think I'm fine. I really am. I mean, it. Uh, I don't know if you ever get at peace with things, but really, Dan, if you have peace with God, it really doesn't matter. And, I mean, you've been through it. I've been through it. I was through it at Indiana. I think the most important thing is you just – you learn uh, you, you, in this situation, I really, it didn't come as a surprise. And uh, I think the bottom line is you just, you, you try to sort things out. You don't rush it, but you really just don't let anything start defining you and, 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 and getting into your spirit. Right. And I think you just keep, you keep moving forward the best that you can. And you worry about your family more than anything else and your coaches and their families. But other than that, you just got to stay strong and move forward, and the peace of God has got to be with you through everything that you do, and I feel that way. How has – how has, when you took over in Indiana, obviously a train wreck, how did, how did coaching change from going back to nine, or 2008 to when you took over a couple years ago at Georgia? Well, I think – it's it's really you know you know one of the biggest things with that i see it, it tremendously with players is their ability ability to fight through things right like when it starts to go wrong it's really really hard for them to get over you've got to have an extreme high level of mental toughness and i've really seen that more than ever like that first year at indiana we only won six games and we had a brand new team right we had as many walk-ons as we did scholarship guys and but the bottom line is when i look back at that the, 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 those kids had been through more in the sense maybe where they had to fight through more things rather than their sporting life, those type of things. Not, not that anybody's a bad kid. I don't mean that at all, but they, they just don't know how to fight through things. And I think it's getting easier and easier in, in 2022 versus 2008, based on the experiences that people have to just say, okay, it's not happening. And they give in. And I think COVID's had something to do with that. I don't think there's any question about it in the sense of the, the, the pandemic, I should say, in the, in the sense of where people were apart for each other, from each other. But I think, as you know, it, it's really easy to walk away from a team. It's really, really easy to accept a loss uh, in, in Las Vegas or in L.A. or in Atlanta and know you got another game that night. It's very easy to change teams. It's, and now it's gotten even easier to change teams, obviously. So I think those are the biggest things that I see. And I think that 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 – Kids are playing less and less and less. There's so much emphasis on working out and shooting and being by yourself. One of the greatest things I've seen that kids struggle with is how to work in a small group, how to work with four to six other people or three to five other people because they're so used to being individualized. And then when they're in a team setting, that's, there's a place to hide. But when you're in a small group, there's no place to hide. And I think that the individual workouts where there's not enough of a, of a focus on playing five on five, three on three, four on four. And I think the fact that it's so easy to walk away from things and to give in when it gets hard is where it's changed so much. And this isn't relative to you, and I'm not trying to make it relative to you, but I'm making it relative to, gen to basketball in general. Between the transfer portal, which is a little bit what you're talking about, NIL stuff, is basketball in a good place? Is college basketball internally? Because I'm, I'm not in there. You are. Is, is college basketball is in a, a place, place that you'd like to see it be? 
Well, I would say this, Dan, you better love coaching, right? Like you better absolutely love coaching if you're in college basketball, because there's so many different things that get in the way of it right now. And I think to me, um, is it in a good place? Um, it depends. It depends on how you view what good is. If you have good kids, if you enjoy coaching, if you enjoy preparing, um, it's good. But I think, let me give you an example. And when people start talking about relationships, right? Like people came up, well, you got to have relationships. You got to have relationships. Well, you know what? Relationships a lot of times equal money, right? Like, like everybody thinks, well, they're, they're going to give you a player because you're really close to them and you guys are boys and you guys have been together through thick and thin. No, money has a lot to do with that. Not in every case by any stretch of the imagination, but in more cases than people want to believe. And, and we're going to see where it goes, right? With the portal, with, with the NIL. I mean, we're, we're a result of what happens when the portal really attacks your team and, 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 and people can go because they think the grass is going to be greener for them. And in some cases it was, in some cases it wasn't, but the bottom line is that's where it's at. And I think you better love coaching with all of your heart. If you're going to be in this business. Sean Black and all you guys that watch every day, you know we got problems all the time, minor problems. Coach uh, Crean, nice enough to stay with us. Hey, I apologize about that. Let me go back to what you were saying. You were talking about relationships are basically, not basically, but some have to do with money in the modern world of college basketball. That's a function of the NIL. Is that what it is? Well, I think I think it'll play into the NIL. The, the thing I worry about with the NIL is there's still so many people that – that have their hand in this. And and it's going to be very interesting to see the collectives and everything, how the NIL plays out. Because the more that people talk about the NIL not being about recruiting, it's completely about recruiting. And 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 there's no doubt, and, and now it has got to happen for your, for your current players as well. And I think where people will think that, okay, well, the current players are making this, they're making that, and that'll help with recruiting. No, I think we're, we're dealing with people uh, Tom Izzo and I have talked about this. I've talked about this with other coaches. You're, you're dealing with people that are already making full-out guarantees on what they're going to get from NIL. And that's a big part of recruiting right now. And anybody that thinks it's not is not paying it. It doesn't understand it. And But I think the relationship part, I had a guy tell me, uh, uh, a prominent uh, coach uh, in the summer told me that, and he was referencing somebody in our league, and he said, so-and-so really understands the, the superpower of relationships. And I, and, and I said back, no, he understands the superpower of the money in the relationship, right? And <laughs> that, that's the difference. And I think it's, just, it, it's been there forever. But, I mean, I think it, it's so competitive. And there's so many different ways that people are trying to get ahead. And I think the NIL can be very, very good. But I think it's also going to be extremely dangerous. And and um, extremely dangerous when it comes to recruiting, not for the current players. I mean, they they make what you can make. That's fine. But I mean, when it comes to making promises in recruiting, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out the next couple of years. All right. We just saw what happened with Will Wade, but that was a previous thing. That was a whole different deal. Um, People, how do you react to this when, when people say, well, to coach in the SEC, you got to have the NIL set because there are no rules anymore in college basketball. Well, first off, the Will Wade thing, I mean, I was even blown away reading some of that. 
the other day and, and obviously competed against them for the last couple of years. And, and you, you hear so many different things. And then in recruiting, you feel so many different things because they go on. Um, it's a hard it's a hard question to answer for this reason, because there's so many people that get involved with a recruit. And again, I'm not I'm not I'm not painting this with a with a with a broad brush. I mean, there's some recruiting situations, as you know, that can be very good. They can be very legit. They can be very above board. They can be very family oriented. Right. They really can't. But, but for every one of those, there's a couple that aren't. And I think that the people that that try to get involved, and I'm not sure the NIL is going to take care of that, right? And I think that's where the where it's going to be. It's a highly, highly competitive, not just the SEC, but so many other leagues. Obviously, this league gets a lot of attention um, for a lot of different reasons, and some of it's that, and 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 that's part of it. But I'm not sure there's a great answer because. The NIL, really now it becomes more and more, and I think you saw this in football recruiting when guys spoke out, is it becomes, I don't want to call it a bidding war, but eventually with with these collectives and things like that, people are going to have an idea of exactly what they're going to get from school A, from school B, and school C. And then that's what's going to drive the, the money up even more than that. And that doesn't even include the people on the outside that are trying to make sure that they're taken care of because they're not going to get the NIL money and they're involved with the young person and his family. How does that affect the internal workings of a team? Well, we didn't we didn't have it we didn't have much of that this year. I mean, our our kids this year uh, unfortunately and they didn't they didn't make they didn't make very much money that I know of. I don't think they did really at all. I do think it will affect teams. I think I think it, Dan, you know this. And and this is what rips teams apart. It rips staffs Okay, and, 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 and it rips businesses apart. Jealousy, it, it, it can tear things up. And anybody that thinks that the money is not going to play into the locker room. Yeah, you see some people saying, okay, I'm going to make sure my teammates get this and my teammates get that. That's not helping the phone calls at home. That's not helping the phone calls with the families, right? There's already levels of jealousies that come in because of minutes, playing time, you know, in the football field, you know, targets for, for receptions, Whatever those are. So there's so many different ways to break a team apart. And jealousy is usually at the root of the majority of it, right? And so when you have that and you have money being made by different guys, there's no question that it's going to be an issue. And anybody that thinks it's not wants you to believe something that's not real. And 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 they trick people because they're not in this business. This business is full of things that can trip your team up. And I think it's going to take real work for everybody's going to have to get something. I don't think there's any question about that. The programs that that 20% of the guys are getting 80% of the money, those are going to be problems. They really are. Everybody's got to get something. And I and I think the smart programs are going to figure out how to do that. And, and the smart collective people are going to figure out how to do that. Because those will rip teams apart over a period of time, no doubt about it. Having said all this, do you want to coach college basketball again? I love coaching, right? I mean, I, I really do. And and I was thrown this a couple of weeks ago, you know, before the season was up, that I want to just walk away from it. And I didn't at all. My son's here. You know, he's, he's 22. He's finishing his senior year. He's like having a 35-year-old assistant coach on my staff at 22, much like Andrew was for, for John at, at Michigan and for what he did 
at Ohio State. And to me, I love it. So I think I said this earlier. I don't know if you heard it when your internet went out, but you better love coaching. You better absolutely love it if you're going to be in this business because because the more that goes on, the more they want to take you away from coaching. But you've got to love making your teams better, preparing for the games, finding ways to win. And even when you don't win, being able to come back every day and have something. I told Riley during the year, I said, you're going to be so far ahead of the game going into coaching because because of the losing, because you learn every day when you walk in, you got to find a way to motivate your team. you got to find a way to overcome adversity. you got to find a way to give them an edge to believe they're going to win the next game. And you got to do it day after day after day. And so I, I still enjoy that part of coaching. But uh, I'll leave uh, – I'm going to let that time play itself out here a little bit, but I, I still love the coach. Let me go to the teams. You know, it, it, teams come. Uh, wait, let me back up a second. Did it surprise you Mike White became the head coach of Georgia so quickly and from Florida? Uh, no, no, it, it, not at all. And, and uh, Mike's a really good coach, and I just saw that last night. But it, that didn't surprise me that they moved fast. I mean, the, these jobs um, – it, it's it's never uh, it never happens in a vacuum, so it, it didn't surprise me, and I hope he does well. But but uh, I don't think you make decisions in in these business in these jobs and not have a plan for where you're going. So didn't surprise me one bit. Even from Florida, that didn't surprise you. No, not at all. Because because I mean, look at this job. I mean, there's been five jobs open now in this league since Thursday. And this is a really, really challenging league. And, and um, the, the, the toxicity that can hit these jobs, as you know, and as you've seen, and you're living right there in the heart of it. I'm, I lived in it in the end, right? So did you. I mean, the toxicity that can hit these jobs, you gotta, you gotta, you got to come with your, with your jaw set every day, right? And, you gotta, and you've got to make sure that the most important thing you do is get your team around and – and, and get them to believe. And the portal is going to change it. I mean, this is not going to change. You know, did I ever think that that uh, that that I would only be here four years? Did I think that that personally that Will Wade would last longer than me, even though it was a couple of days when you walk into this league and you know the FBI stuff that is going on the way that it is? And I don't mean that as a – I'm not trying to indict Will Wade on it. It was already out there, right? You take the job and, and, you're, and you're dealing with that. These jobs are hard. There's a lot of moving parts to these jobs. And so um, I don't know Mike like that. You know, I, we, we don't have a relationship like that. I have a lot of respect for him. And I don't know what the driving forces were for, for him to move, but nothing would really shock me. That's the bottom line on this, right? When you've been in, in this as long as you have and somebody says, is it shocking? The answer is nothing would shock me when it comes to college basketball, right? No, <laughs> if you you've been inside surprised. of this at all, like you have. Yeah. Yeah, you, yes. exactly. Yeah, you, you might. might get surprised. You might get surprised, but you don't get shocked, right? There's a big difference. Surprise, no, I, I, two different, I, two different, two different places. That's exactly right. How good is the league? Like, what what do you expect? Kentucky and Auburn, and you know, even LSU's in without a coach, and you know, what what, what are we going to see? Do you think out of the SEC in the, in the uh, NCAA tournament? Well, I, I understand. Uh, I understand the Wisconsin thing. When I heard Chris Reynolds talk about that, uh, Wisconsin getting the the seed over Tennessee, but Tennessee is really good. 
I, I, Tennessee is truly a Noah's Ark team. I mean, they got two of everything. I mean, they legitimately can go into that bench. When you're bringing John Fulkerson, who was second team all SEC last year, off the bench and, 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 and play as hard as he plays, you got a really good team. And, and their guards, their two freshman guards, are tremendous. And, and the kid Viscovi is we, – we, we built our game plan a couple weeks ago. We had a great game with them, went right down to the wire. And we built our game plan around not letting him catch the ball. And, and, and because, because he creates so much offense. They have a very, very strong ball-moving offense, which I think is going to play out well for them as they go through this. And, and, uh, and they defend at such a high level. I like Kentucky a lot because I think Kellen Grady doesn't get nearly the attention that he deserves. I think I, I thought early in the season he was like Steph Curry of the SEC because he could just make shots uh, out of nothing. He shoots it so quick. He's got such a great release point. He can play. The, the trick there is they got to make sure they don't get away from where their bread is buttered. That 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 uh, that Kellen makes shots. That Mintz plays well. That Ty Ty Washington and a severe Wheeler play into themselves and not try to do things that aren't there and that they get Shiway the ball because you can't really guard him and 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 you really can't you certainly can't guard him one on one when he gets anywhere inside of 10 feet because he's so good and he's got some skill. So I like those two teams a lot. I would never sleep on Arkansas because they play so hard and they play so fast. And now that they have a Dee Tony back and if he's healthy, that just gives them a weapon that can guard really one through four on the floor at any point in time. And the kid, J.D. Note, has only not been in double figures one time, and it was the other day when they got beat uh, in the game, I believe it was, against A&M. So, and Jalen Williams is probably – we. I thought we had the best passing big man in the league and a kid named Braylon Bridges, but Jalen Williams might be the best all-around big man in the league. And so I can hit the other teams if you want, but any other any any other questions on that, I'm happy to. What, what, well, how about Auburn? I, I watched your game against Auburn. Man, you, ah, it drove me nuts. Yeah. Uh, it, anyway, Bruce's team, you like? what do you like about him? What don't you well, like about game, him? Well, that game, I've been a head coach for 22 years, and, and you saw the same thing at the end that I did. I've never been a part of a non-call like that And at the end of the game. I mean, you, yes. you had to call something. And, I mean, you got, you got referees that did the Final Four in that game. I mean, one of them. And – blow the whistle i'd have been able to sleep better if they'd have called the block which it wasn't right but it was a travel and then it was a chop right and and there was no debate about that. yes and um it it just blew me away i mean it was it was that was devastating you know for about three four hours because we had such an opportunity but i think with auburn they don't shoot it they don't shoot it close to the way they did when he took that team to the final four a couple years ago they are fast. They are deep. Walker Kessler changes the game because of the way he plays around the rim. Probably 80, 90 percent, 80, 80 plus percent of his scoring are, are dunks or layups. Jabari Smith will be a big key because he's got to make sure that th- that team that if that team plays together and they share the ball and they don't take bad threes and they don't try to overdo it in the shot clock between the 20 and 10 second mark where they're taking bad shots, where they can get a better one either on the break or they come down and they can get a better one, you know, 12, 10, 8, because they moved it two more times, three more times. Then I like their team. But 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 their shooting can be very, very erratic. 
And there's certain guys that you can guard a little harder than the others. And and um, when they're all offensive rebounding, that will transfer or translate into points for them. But you definitely can run your offense against them. And and the trick for them is going to be that I thought they fell in love with the three way too early against A&M the other day, way too early. And and if you do that in this tournament, you could be out quick because you're going to have to win in the half court. You're going to have to get the ball in the paint. You're going to have to get to the foul line. LSU without a coach, like it's an uber talented team, right? LSU is a talented group. I mean, I've seen them a couple times. They seem a little crazy, but talented. But without a coach, what do you, what are we doing? Well, I, I think, I think with them now, I mean, they were so out of sorts the other day, you know, that maybe, maybe they know that, but they're very combustible. I mean, they're a very, very combustible team, especially with Darius days because, they kind of go as he's their winning numbers with Darius days are completely different than when they lose, you know, his percentages from three, his percentages from two and his scoring average. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing difference. And if Darius days is hitting shots, then he rebounds. If Darius days is not hitting shots, then the energy kind of goes out on their team a little bit. And Xavier Pinson is, is a key guy for them. If, but, but, you know, he can get erratic and start doing his own thing too. The kid Eason, uh, who left Cincinnati uh, can score and he can really, really get to his right hand. But, but with LSU, it, that could go either way. And, and I'm not sure that that team from what I saw has the, has the moxie to put a run together like last year's team did last year's team had Trent and Watford. It had smart. Those guys got themselves on a mission. I, you know, we beat them by about 17 at our place. And they kind of got themselves on a mission after that. I don't really see that out of LSU right now at, at all, whether Will Wade was coaching them or not. Coach, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, man. Where are you going to be? TBS, CBS, ESPN. Where are we going to see you? <laughs> I don't know. This is my only got interview him. right here. So after then, I probably won't get any calls. <laughs> <laughs> You blew up the internet. That's what you did. You were so good. You blew the damn internet. Hey, Tom, thanks a lot, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Tell your family hi. Thanks, Tell your family hello. All right. Thank you. You do the same. You do the same, please. Tell Riley. Uh, That's Tom Crean. I'm telling you, he is one of the class dudes in college basketball. I apologize about the internet, but apparently uh, that's what's going to happen. We're going to give you fades. I'm going to give you one big fade before we leave here. And I'm going to tell you this right now. And I'm going to tell you it again, probably tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you it again the next day. And I'm going to tell you it again until my toes are tapping, but take Indiana and give the four points. Indiana's playing well. I'll tell you one thing. This is going to sound crazy to you, right? All right. So Indiana, my brother is the smartest dude that I know. And my brother is and would have been a great coach if he wanted to be. He does big projects, $250 million data centers in northwest Indiana, right on Lake Michigan. And he's watching Indiana. And we're critics of Indiana, right? I mean, you know, we do all that stuff. And here's the deal. All of a sudden, he's like, hey, damn, man, Indiana's really good. This was at the Big Ten tournament. He was sitting down low because he got a lot of money. And I'm like, yeah. Like, Indiana's really good. Now, I have not. I, I have not gone to accounts yet, but I will tell you this. Here's the deal. New customers at FanDuel. Now, this is an ad. New customers get a $5 bet 
and it's an instant bonus. You got to sign up. $5. Take Indiana. You're going to win $150. Take whoever you want. I mean, max bet is 5 bucks. It's 30 to 1 odds. So you, you got to be a new customer. Now, if I'm giving advice, which obviously I like to give advice, I'm taking Indiana. Like, I, hey, look, or actually, if it's a first bet, screw that. Then you know what I'm doing? I'll just take Gonzaga. Just bet on Gonzaga. Five bucks and away you go. You get 30 to 1. Doesn't matter. Do that. And thank me later. But if I got to bet the spread, if I've got to bet all those things, uh, I'm betting Indiana, and that's my number one bet right now. It was three and a half. It's going to go to four. Like Davison and Michigan State, that's minus one and a half. I think Michigan State's going to pound them. Iowa State stinks. They're in the tournament because of how well they played early. They're playing an LSU team that's minus four. I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that. Kentucky minus 17 and a half against St. Peter's. I'll take that today, tomorrow, the next day. Uh, I got no idea what to tell you about North Carolina. And when I say no idea, I thought North Carolina was playing great, didn't you? And then I watched them just get pounded by Virginia Tech. And I mean freaking pounded. I mean like not even, I don't know. You look at that North Carolina team that played Virginia Tech and you compare it to the day before the team that played Virginia and kicked the living you-know-what out of them? Uh, if you want to sign up and play, go to the Outkick Bracket Challenge. I got it. There's a $5,000 bar tab for you uh, as a winner. Four sweet tickets. Six and Peabody is the bar. Hell, I'll go down to Nash Vegas with you, baby, and we'll spend that damn thing. Just go to NCAA.com. Just get on my, uh, my uh, Twitter page, all that kind of stuff, and let's go. It's right there. If you want to join my one on 1070 The Fan, that's the easiest one in the world to win. I'm not going to lie to you. My deal on 1070 The Fan, here's why. Half the group takes Indiana to get to the Final Four. The other half takes Purdue to get to the Final Four. If you're not a Purdue or Indiana homer and you just do it what you think, you're going to win the damn thing and you get the co-host with me. But this one that we've got here on the Outkick, are you kidding me? $5,000 bar tab. Bill Burr is coming in, who is freaking hilarious. Uh, four seats, uh, sweet tickets. Those are what the winners get. I'm going. I'm in. I want I want the prizes. I'll meet you. Shoot, I'll meet you. Are you crazy? I'll meet your ass right there. I'll be one of your five. I'll, I'll put about three to $400 of that bar tab on me. No, I'm not paying for it. I'm drinking it. We'll drink it. We'll gamble it. We'll, you know, baseballers, whatever will be coming. We'll just hang out. But anyway, uh, listen to this. Last thing. We didn't get into this, but we need to. Tom Brady is back. Deshaun Watson, Shefty just put this out, is expected to meet with the Panthers and the Saints. Woo! Once that dude got cleared of the criminal charges, it opened up a little bit, didn't it? Uh, we'll see what happens there. I got so much all week for you. We had Tom Crean. We had Chad Withrow. We had uh, Doug Gottlieb. We had Coach Brad Underwood. I'll try to get more for you. Tomorrow it starts my Hoosiers. Who, who, Hoosiers. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, uh, Dylan. We're going to be back at it tomorrow. Hey, check me out. I got, I got uh, Fran McCaffrey coming up at 2 o'clock on my show, The Big Ten Champ. 
on my show on 107.5. The fan. Tell your, fan, tell your family, tell your friends. We want to make this the biggest freaking show out there. Stay right here at OutKick all day long. See you tomorrow.